0: Hello, and welcome to Device Week, the weekly update podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm editor Reed Miller, and with me today is our UK-based reporter, Barnaby Pickering. So Barnaby, this week you published a short story about safety data from Dexcom's G7 uh, Continuous Glucose Monitor. So what's going on with that? Sure, Reed.
1: So as expected, Dexcom's G7 is performing well. So well, in fact, that the company decided to run a trial in which the sensor's abilities were assessed over 12 days, two days longer than it is currently designed for. The data, in summary, said that the G7 could function for up to 12 days and that its accuracy did not decrease by much after that period of time. The data also reaffirmed the notion that wearing CGMs on the arm is slightly better than the abdomen, which is a popular alternative location for wear as it's more discreet. The story itself isn't hugely significant, but it comes around eight weeks before the annual Advanced Technologies for the Treatment of Diabetes Conference, or ATTD for short. Typically, CGM and insulin pump manufacturers use the period before ATTD to show off their recent innovations, to show off their device's functions, and essentially lay the stage for what's going to come on later in summer after ATTD and towards the American Diabetes Association's annual conference in June. Moreover, the data comes at a point in the CGM market where competition is really beginning to heat up. Dexcom produces the premium option, the G5, G6, and G7 sensors, which cost, I believe, a couple of hundred dollars more per month than the second most popular system, the freestyle offered by Abbott. This leads to a tricky dynamic where Dexcom has to justify the additional cost when there are many other competitors aiming to catch up with them.
0: All right. Well, that's fantastic uh, coverage. So you also published a piece this week specifically just looking at venture capital and medtech. What can you tell us about that?
1: So the core source for the story was the 2022 KPMG Healthcare and Life Sciences Investment Outlook report. Last year, I wrote about the 2021 version and spoke to its author, Christian Pothier, and this year I figured I'd do the same. We started off with a reflection on 2021, and the best way to describe 2021 in a healthcare and life sciences investment perspective is that it was quite simply manic. The amount of money spent in the sector was almost double that that we saw in 2020, almost triple of what we saw in 2019. Because of the pandemic, huge amounts of spending were allocated to new technologies, particularly digital health applications, as well as advanced testing technologies. Moving into 2022, Pothier was keen to point out that this year is likely to be one of consolidation for the life sciences sectors. The money was spent and it's time for these investments to potentially begin making returns. These returns will come either in the form of a simple revenue profit model, or it will come as investors sell off their stakes in these businesses. The alternative is that valuations across the board slump as investors, creditors, and ultimately payers may realize that many of these companies who flourished over COVID-19 failed to continue their success as these funds dry up.
0: Okay, well, thanks for that update. Yeah, our readers should look forward to a lot more insight on financing in this space in 2022. Um, they can also follow our MedTech Funding Tracker, and that keeps a running list of MedTech financing and funding deals based mostly on the data we get from our colleagues at Device Tracker. Great. Thanks, Reid
1: over to you. You covered a big announcement from Abbott this week regarding their CardioMEMS-HF
0: system. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Abbott announced this week that the US FDA has approved a pre-market approval supplement for CardioMEMS-HF heart failure monitor, which is a small implantable sensor that detects changes in pulmonary artery pressure and then wirelessly communicates that data to the patient's physicians, which is very useful in uh, tracking heart failure. Um, and predicting heart failure events. Now, the old indication which Cardio MEMS had since 2014 indicates it for monitoring patients in New York Heart Association Class III heart failure who have been hospitalized before to treat heart failure within the previous year. That's a lot. To be clear, there are four NYHA classes. Class III includes heart failure patients who are comfortable at rest but experience fatigue or palpitations or shortness of breath with any physical activity. Uh, 4 means that they are always in distress somewhat. But as of this week, the FDA approved a pre-market approval supplement that expands MEMS HF's indication to include less sick patients, those in NYHA class 2 heart failure, and patients with elevated natriuretic peptides. That's a blood biomarker that indicates worsening heart failure. So the PMA supplement for this new indication is based on results from the 1,000 patient more or less, guide HF trial, which we reported on before, that showed that the uh, monitoring with CardioMEMS-HF led to lower rates of hospitalization in patients in uh, Neurocard Association Class 2 heart failure, as well as patients with elevated natriac peptides, the exact indication they just got, uh, including patients who had not been hospitalized before. And why is that addition so important? Yeah, so I talked to Philip Adamson. He's the chief medical officer for Abbott's heart failure business He explained to me that these uh, key improvements here for the indication mean that cardiomems can now be marketed to doctors who are trying to prevent patients from ever having to go to the hospital to treat a decompensation event before one happens. Um, He actually kind of likened it to, you know, if you had somebody with high blood pressure, you wouldn't wait for them to have a stroke to do anything about it. So why would we do that for you know, heart failure events. Now, decompensation refers to when the heart is under so much pressure from fluid overload that the patient uh, needs to have emergency treatment or uh, urgent treatment, at least, for intense diuretics. Um, that's why they go to the hospital. Adamson pointed out that the research clearly shows that those events are associated with worse outcomes, including mortality, for the patient down the road, uh, even if you know they're treated appropriately. So, it's in the patient's interest and, and therefore, the overall health system's uh, interest to be monitoring those patients carefully so they can be treated to avoid those kinds of events.
1: And does this group of patients include a lot of people?
0: Yeah, so according to the company, the current class three indication covers about 300,000 people in the US per year, um, while this broader indication will add about another 1.2 million people. You know, that's looking at the US again. Uh, also, these are patients earlier in the heart failure progression, and they're you, not always treated by a heart failure specialist. They're usually uh, being treated by a primary care provider or a cardiologist. So this opens up a whole new group of physicians that Abbott can talk to you about cardiomems and, and prevention. Um, they're also working with some drug developers as well to integrate this kind of monitoring with their research and also looking at how it can uh, integrate with some of their other heart failure technologies like LVADS. So I'm working on getting some more information on that, and I'll update this article they uh, well, the approval when I get it.
1: Brilliant. That sounds great. Thank you very much for that, read. You can read about all these topics and a lot more on medtechinsight.com. We're also working on a startup spotlight on Ortizio, a company producing a device to treat vascular flow deficiencies. We'll also have an article about Medtronic's comments during their first quarter call about how they're reviewing their portfolio, which is being interpreted as maybe an indication they'll be selling off some businesses. The archive of MedTech Insights Device Week, Digital Health Roundup, Speaking of MedTech and the rest of Informer Intelligence's podcasts are available on the Informer Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn and Spotify Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. I'm at MedTech Barney and readers at MedTech Read with two E's. Thank you and have a good week.